What is this behavior? Do you want it? You're dying for it. Hello and welcome to the What Is This Behaviour podcast where I, Alma Spadat, and my two co-hosts Aaron Christian and Ruben Christian talk amongst each other as well as talking with the growing South Asian global community, exploring what it's like going against the grain. We speak to presenters, chefs, designers, musicians, DJs, directors, tech experts, you name it, we're meeting them all. And this week, our very special guest is film critic and cultural explorer and expert, Ashanti Omkar. I first heard of Ashanti on the BBC Asian Network, presenting her radio show, Exploring Indian Film Schools. Although Ashanti's career spans wide. Ashanti is Tamil and primarily serves as an Indian film and Bollywood expert for BBC West Midlands and BBC London. As a vocalist, she won the Croydon Music Prize Award in South Indian Classical Music and is a gold medal vocalist too. Ashanti writes, has hosted a podcast and has consulted the London Indian Film Festival, American Productions and Spice in Mumbai. In this episode, we hear Ashanti speak on her experience connecting with her South Asian heritage after moving to the UK from Nigeria, which is where she grew up. We talk about the importance of owning your own story, as well as the importance of your first business deal and being savvy around those conversations. And we hear some insight on the impact of knowing yourself later on in your career, something Ashanti's picked up through working with stars like Priyanka Chopra, A.R. Rahman, Salman Khan and Deepika Padukone. Through this chat, I was inspired to share my journey and I hope that after listening to Ashanti and the three of us in dialogue, some creative or self-explorations are sparked off for you too. So, I'm Alma Spadat, this is What Is This Behaviour and we're about to launch into a brilliant conversation with the one and only Ashanti Omkar. Catch you on the other side. What is this behaviour? Uh, um yeah i just wanted to bring yeah so as ruben said like firstly just welcome thank you again ashanti for kind of jumping on um and yeah lending us your time it's like me and ruben and amos were kind of like catching up before and we're just like it's such an honor to have someone that has for us this podcast is like fairly new and and the birth of this thing has only been going on for about I don't know, maybe eight, eight, nine months, I think now, but mm. someone like Ooh. yourself who has been kind of championing, you know, the, the culture and people for so long, it's like, it's really a, a great moment for us to kind of actually catch up, chop it up, and then we're going to bombard you with questions, but thank you anyway. <laughs> yeah, we really <laughs> appreciate that. It's my pleasure. Mm. I'm absolutely loving what you guys are doing. I like this, this kind of banter is what we all need in this. I think you launched it at the right time when people were needing something like what you're, what you're having to say and, and the inspiration that you bring. So mm. kudos to all three of you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for that. I, I think, because I think we navigate some some deep topics, and just to hear you, Ashanti, as someone that may have listened to a couple of episodes, and say that it's it's banterous and and kind of light, that's nice because yeah, we're all dealing with a lot at the moment, and just to have a little bit of escapism at times, yes. Yeah. Is so dope, man. So thanks for that. I appreciate that. Totally, totally. It's yeah. it's part of how we can keep our mental health alive at oh, a time so like totally. True. So true. <laughs> And and I think deep topics are very important, but bringing levity to them is also very important. And I think you get that balance 
very nicely. And I think it comes from your kind of you. you I, I know that Ruben and Aaron, I've been following for your kind of fashion sense and your filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. These things are yeah. all coming together now. And the podcast embodies a lot of that. Mm. Yeah. I, you know what? I think as well, it, it, it was the in a weird way, I, I kind of tried to try to frame the pandemic as time that really allowed a lot of people to to dig deep and reflect and really kind of like focus in on on how things align and and dropping things that maybe didn't align to someone's purpose or or stuff so for me it's thank you like firstly thanks for even saying that and um understanding and noticing how yeah we've kind of managed to try to like you know drill it down to things that we're really interested in um i wanted to kind of just rewind and like for those of our listeners who may not be aware of yourself your work your background like let's just kind of just slowly get into what you do and how you kind of got into your industry sure sure what would you like to know I'm, well just I know it's so true it. like because you have done so much like <laughs> yeah. whittling it down yes. <laughs> C- can i can i approach it aaron with a yeah, the same yeah, question reframed in, in around my curiosities so ashanti as far as i'm aware you're you're a broadcaster, um, amongst many things, you're a broadcaster, but also you're a performing an ar- artist in terms of a being a vocalist and, and also a poet. I've read some of your poetry. Oh, wow. Was your, was your first step into the creative industry or the arts as a performer and artist before being a broadcaster who reports to culture? And totally, 100%. 100%. You, you have nailed it. I think I... I had already kind of been a part of the scene without thinking of it as being a scene. Mm. That's the reality because um, I was seven years old growing up in Nigeria and my dad trained me to to read in Tamil, which is our mother tongue. And I didn't like it at all, you know, back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Unfortunately, you know, and I bless him and I love that he taught me to read, but, you know, he had to do it in a very heavy handed way, literally by, you know, but it it, it was beaten into me in many ways, which, you know, it sounds funny, (laughs) but it can be quite a traumatic thing for Mm, people. It's a trigger warning, isn't it, to people? Because we, we as Asians normally grow up feeling like this is part of our lives it's very yeah. normal. we normalize it don't we? <laughs> we normalize it so yeah. much and the reality is it was a, a you know I, I obviously never no one enjoys you know any kind of physical violence in their lives but you know that what he did manage to do though was to instill that I could read the language and sent me to music mm. classes because my teacher at the time said look she's seven years old she's probably ready for classes but unless she can read the language because I'm going to be writing the all the notes in wow. language, we want yeah. her to and be this was Tamil music this was Carnatic music South Indian right. classical okay. music which is right. okay. you know partially in Tamil but also Telugu Malayalam Kannada you'll have songs in different languages from South sure. India and it's a very rigorous system of training. It's incredibly complex. And I was a child in Nigeria, you know, obviously not even connected to my roots in such a deep way, you know, and it took quite a while for me to even become a fan of the music because I was listening to Madonna and Michael Jackson. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, They were my favorites. So it was really weird for me. But my, my parents, thankfully, had been playing the Beatles and Ile Raja and MS Viswanathan, you know, to me as a child. So I was used to hearing this music. It's just learning it was very difficult because none of my friends were doing it. 
I was, I felt slightly isolated in that sense. I, I couldn't talk to my school friends in Nigeria about it. But that was the beginning of the journey. And we moved to England and we moved to East Ham, which is. <laughs> That's local. <laughs> it's local to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm in Stratford. Yeah, we grew up oh, in Stratford. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My first girlfriend think... was in East Ham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also yeah, we Mariali. went to tamil school we went to tamil school in ilford i think Ru didn't you do like you ruben learned like indian music in east ham right? yeah and so my, my parents sister forced it on me as well seriously exactly. yeah, yeah the they, exact they same story <laughs> yeah they tried to get me to play the sitar the sitar oh, wow. yeah yeah so i was yeah. playing that for a, i was yeah i was playing that for a little while reluctantly obviously all <laughs> <around> east ham <laughs> <laughs> well this is the thing it's the reluctance because a lot of us are not you know we only begin to grasp the culture when we get older and for me yeah. when we moved to England and East Ham was a, a hotbed of culture I mean my school I went to Plashard School which, oh wow uh, oh wow I can imagine moving from Nigeria where to Plashard School <laughs> but weirdly there were no white people there like there were there were few teachers who were white there were few mm. very few students who were white or black everybody was Asian like for me it was a shock because I was seeing people wearing a shower Kameez to school or a hijab, yeah, yeah. which I had never seen before because growing up in Nigeria, we had a very regimented kind of uniform. Uh, but yeah. fashion school was a little bit less less regimented in that sense. But it's when I moved there that suddenly I was meeting people from my own culture who were doing Bharatanatyam dance, which is like South Indian classical dance. They yeah. were doing the music, like like you said, I, I I don't know any sitar teachers in East Ham, so that's really interesting to hear that you 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 learned the sitar. But it was it was a bit of a cultural awakening for me because suddenly there was a temple I could go to, there was a Sunday class I could go and learn music, you know, from a from a teacher with other people who were my age who were also doing it. So I have friends that I've reconnected with over time who went to those classes with me, and that was my beginning of you know, entering that world in some ways. I'd won a gold medal. I'd won the Croydon Music Prize for vocals. So I did have all wow. of that. But my circumstances, yeah, sadly, my circumstances changed somewhat when I got, got older. And I I don't sing anymore. I, I kind of gave that up. And my segue into media also comes from me working in corporate, you know, corporate tech, you know, in, with with data data mining tools and business intelligence coming into media when I decided one day to, to kind of quit what I was doing and do something I really loved. And to I think in some ways I was always seeking to keep close to the music. And music was yeah. always, music and film for me became my life in many ways. And now I live and breathe it much more than I ever did because when you're working in corporate, you don't have that time to, to do that. Mm. And this is this is a little bit this is a very kind of condensed version of the journey. But, you know, this is this is what it was. You know, I, I think I was already doing it, but I didn't know I was doing it. And then finally, we have words for a lot of these things. We you know, you, you start to learn that, you know, media, media, media has evolved, obviously, along the way. I, you know, suddenly became a podcaster. Back in 2007, you know, when Apple I iTunes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Apple iTunes podcasts, you know, who knew that suddenly from being a writer, I would become a podcaster and I had this outside show there. And that was early days when Apple actually had, I was, we were part of an actual Apple podcast. So they were the ones who were, okay. who were driving was amazing you know and we were the first south asian kind of podcast on there with desi hits 
So my journey has been very, it's just evolved. And I think you guys can relate to this, which is why I resonated with your podcast so much, is that you can relate to this so much that we don't have a linear journey with this. It's not yeah. one of <laughs> Our parents want us to be doctors and engineers and go into professions. Your music or your your artistic talent should be on the side and you do it on the, on the weekends. Whereas actually that's not how it works when you're creative because once you're creative, you can be doing anything at any given time. Today I've, you know, spoken to somebody in Kerala. I'm speaking to you guys in London. You know, these are all things that are part and parcel of my day. And mm. it's it's such a different journey to to what was that expected of me and you know of course i think uh, aaron and ruben in particular will re- resonate with the fact that you guys have chosen a path that's creative and not to become a professional lawyer or a doctor or an accountant and i'm sure there would have been a battle there with your parents or maybe <laughs> not maybe your parents were really cool i don't know but most people i meet have had that battle within them themselves their families their societies immediate society especially because uncles and aunties also have their <laughs> opinions yeah, no, <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting because i was speaking to ruben recently about this and we're like actually maybe one of the reasons why it was easier for our parents to I wouldn't even say necessarily say yes, but just, you know, just allow us to continue our journey was that because most of our family are all based in Malaysia, they didn't have the immediate prying eyes or the, or the, yeah, or even just the pressure, right? Like of the constant kind of chatter, if you go to an uncle's house or auntie's house and they're constantly asking you, you know, what are they doing and stuff. So (laughs) I think literally that, you know, just being so far away, um, gave gave it was a blessing in disguise well i feel it's a blessing in disguise anyway i was like feel super blessed that i'm able to to pursue this line of work but mm. almas, so, so, so sorry almas because i know mm. almas is very similar to us right like she's clearly a creative <laughs> multi-potential like polymath kind of human almas what did you have to go through any battles with your mom on the come up to say i want to be a creative i am a creative you know what? Um, we started touching on this the other day um, and I'll speak on my understanding of it. Right. So um, I grew up in Zambia, came over to London um, when I was about 10 years old. And after this time, this is when my uncle and aunties and grandparents and stuff all had a say in what literally what I from what I wore to, you know, what I did, who I, who my friends were and all this stuff, because my mm. parents had separated. And so, you know, my mum was leaning on her family for support, understandably. Right. Yeah. Um, but what that meant is that there were just all of these different voices and I was the mm. eldest daughter. And so for a lot of a lot of things, like I was the person breaking through for my younger siblings, yeah. um, which meant that I just had that, you know, that kind of harder barrier to to um like a dam right like once it opens it's okay because it took me ages to have like a mobile phone and then like my brother was handed one when he was like you know at first start yeah where I'm like I'm looking at him like oh my gosh I worked hard for that um for like curfews and stuff like that but I do think that by the time I was in my late teens um my mum was my mom is very receptive to actually seeing who we are as people as well and she could see that I was interested in 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 things and I have to say that much later on um I've I've not really had a pushback in exploring the arts more so met with confusion 
but rather than pushback. Mm. So like, you know, how are you going to do this? What are you going to do? Or, um, you know, it's we, we've touched on this in previous pods where actually our parents, it's not that maybe they don't want to support us, but they don't know how to. So yeah. they don't have the tools. And um, I think also my mum growing up in the UK really added to that ease as well because she'd been around um, different kinds of people. And my mum is an educator, so her, her life's work is to help um, children and people come into themselves. So in that regard, um, it, it was a challenge early on, I think, but my mum has is so... I kind of know that I can bring anything to the table and she'll kind of just take a deep breath and be like, okay. <laughs> and then adjust. I can see her like recalibrating and like just, you know, just figuring it out and then choosing the outward response, which usually is um, just love and openness. And I'm really, really thankful because it's really helped me develop as an artist and find my sense of self. Um, yeah, really grateful. Because we need space. I think this yes. is something that our society doesn't necessarily understand. But uh, for me, I need that time alone. I need that quiet. I need that space to, to do anything that I do. And back in the day, I was very kind of embroiled in, in that society bubble. And I didn't have that. And mm. when I left it, everything changed for me. Mm. And this is exactly what you're saying. Almas. I can, you know, African families and, and Asian families are not very different at all. I'm married to someone who's British Yoruba from, from, from Nigeria. And mm. he was born here, but he grew up in, in Nigeria, came back here when he was about 20. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see how the family dynamic is so similar though you always yeah. think of you know somebody with the darker skin as being another unfortunately that's that's inbuilt in so many people especially in Asians mm. but actually they open their minds they suddenly find that actually these that we are we are literally the same yeah. we've got the same cultural values we've got so many yeah. things that are so similar it's just that you know outwardly those appearances of being dark-skinned become something that is is perceived as as you being lower than someone else and this is a this is a constant battle for many of us but and our society obviously obviously kind of you know and i'm going into a completely i'm i've obviously segued from the, the we love tangents <laughs> we love it yeah so, but going back to what you said ashanti like nothing is linear here with yeah. do you know what i mean four create four creatives artists having a conversation this is not going to be straight at all <laughs> so true so true i mean i think it, even for, for you for you guys for all three of you you've probably faced this colorism thing in different aspects mm, because yes people just you know i was a little baby in denmark you know and i was so i've lived in you know i was born in in, in sri lanka I, I lived in denmark nigeria and then moved to england to kind of settle here and so for me i've been the other everywhere you know I've always wow. been that brown child in Denmark when there were no other brown people and people you know would come and like pull my cheeks I just those are my memories as a child very small child of people who were just I think you know they, they just didn't understand what 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 I was or they just thought oh she's really cute but let's just pinch her cheeks will any color <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah. would the color run yeah would it, would it run? Yeah. So these are all things that I think we as, as, as you know, people of color, POCs, I think we, we face this a lot more and, and we, we have to navigate it uh, around, you know, so I've, I've faced situations where people will say, oh, you speak such good English. And it's such a weird thing because for me, I've always spoken it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> but it can shock some people. Yeah, and sometimes people just don't even understand how offensive their mm. curious questions can be simply because they have lacked the lived experience feeling othered. Like I was watching yeah. a film the other day. I can't remember what it was. And, I th- and I, it made me think back to being in certain, like if I went to, let's say, a predominantly white club night, right? I'd yeah. really feel my South Asian-ness. I'd really feel like it's so clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the only way I think anyone that hasn't felt something like that could feel it is if they were in the same position. So literally, if we took, let's just say, a middle England, middle-class white person up and put them in in a Jamaican reggae dance hall bashment rave somewhere, they would feel their whiteness and they would the feel gaze, how different yeah, yeah, they yeah. felt. Yeah. But we feel yeah. that all the time and we've normalised it. And so if they haven't felt it, like, yeah, I, I can imagine true. why sometimes they just wouldn't so, get it. So true. Because that's the thing. It's uh, it's like that example I always give that even to date, when I turn on a mainstream television station, the minute an Asian person comes on, it's <laughs> an excitement I had when I was still, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know living in East Ham. It's like, whoa, that look, look. that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I truly wonder what it's like to um, be a South Asian person growing up in South Asia. Um, yeah, I like it because I, I, and as I make more friends that are that come from you know India, Bangladesh, um, Pakistan, like anywhere in that region, yeah. and I'm always just in awe of like how comfortable and close um they are yeah. to and it's not really the the idea of culture itself but it's more the everyday things right so like just the the rhythm of the cities for example or understanding how the taxis work and like <laughs> just the really the really asian things that happen um and i'm just it's so it's the same way that i suppose like i feel comfortable in london as a londoner um but that everyday bit is like the thing that i'm so fascinated by because it's something for me that i am actively learning and actively being curious in to find out right um and then being british and asian has its completely different um sound and a pulse yeah. and beat yeah which is a whole another thing that i'm getting familiar with as well it's really really a journey i love it, it yeah, is. Must, oh sorry <laughs> I, I was gonna yeah. ask do you, do you like because i kind of wanted to link this to a question uh for ashanti like is it an yeah. element of like f- being not being a fraud but not feeling fully part of your identity because you don't understand maybe certain elements of your roots mm. is that what you mean in a way um no do you know what like I think like early on there was probably um there it was quite maybe it was more heavier weighted towards feeling you know a little bit lost or a little bit uh lost might not be the right word but just not rooted you know um yeah. but actually as I've gotten a little bit older and I'm a little bit sure of myself and I wear that curiosity on my sleeve combine that with most people are so happy to share their culture um and show so happy to share like especially i think south asian people are really like proud and we are like look at this and hear this music or i like this and because it comes from a place of wanting to share i haven't really felt inadequate but what it's made me realize is that i have a completely different um culture myself and it's not any one of those things mm-hmm. um i sent um, a dj mix to one of my friends today to listen and he came back and he was like 
Almas Badat is a genre. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's it. Like there's no, you can't attach it to anything. Um, and it made me really excited because it made me feel like I can find home within. Um, so yeah. Isn't it? Sorry, Ashanti, go on. No, I was just saying that's deep. That's a deep thought, really. And the fact that you are a genre in yourself just because of what you bring to the table. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, really I was going to. I, I, I hear you. I was going to say, I wonder if there's an and there, right? Because being a genre by yourself or being the person that is always floating in between these different intersections, it, there, there's, a liberate, there's a liberation to it, right? And there's a newness to it. And there's a pride attached to that. But at the same time, and I felt this, and a question back to you, Ashanti and Almas especially, um, it's quite. it can also be quite lonely, you know? Being the only person that is breaking these grounds and going into these spaces and connecting the dots all the time. Like, Ashanti, I don't know if you've ever felt that, but if you have... 100%. Yeah, how, like, how do you manage it? And then, Almas, maybe you can give thoughts on it as well. It is that feeling. There is a loneliness to it. There's no doubt. I've, I've had many a night... When I say to people, my journey has been a journey of blood, sweat and tears, literally. Yeah. It yeah. really has. It yeah. really has. And I think most creatives have, you know, had to go through that and they continue to go through it and you're constantly because you cannot evolve as a creative without it and you know I I found that sometimes I'm the first South Asian woman to be doing something sometimes I'm the first Tamil mm. woman to be doing something and it always you know for me it's lovely to when someone turns around and says to you you're a pathbreaker but it also is you know that there is a deep deep sense of loneliness and where where we are feeling very very isolated and and scared and sometimes we are you know i've been very blessed and 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 lucky to have a partner who understands my creative journey and the sort of things i want to to do with my creative self but you know at times when i've had not had that and that's been the biggest struggle for me was was not you know people people not supporting you and sometimes you have to learn to support yourself and this all goes down to that self love idea when i was younger i used to sing whitney houston that though, though the song wasn't originally by whitney whitney sang the uh, i believe the children are uh, are the future oh, song yeah 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 <laughs> we know the greatest love of all and you know as as a teenager at the time i didn't really understand that song so deeply but as i got older and because i used to sing it all the time literally anything that happened with music classes and even during i even sang it i think at my gcse exam you know (laughs) that i think i had to then embody that song in in many ways as i got older because I realized that sometimes you you have to cheer cheer for yourself. You have to be there for yourself because nobody else will ever get to you and your vision and your idea. And you just have to, you know, I've had people laugh at me for putting up hashtags or whatever, you know, so many little things. Like back in the day, I used to take pictures of all my food and people will say to me, why are you doing that? This, you know, are you crazy? <laughs> and now, I mean, it's like, well, that's that's probably why Dishoom sent me some, some you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're the original pioneer. You actually started off those food selfies. You probably didn't even know it. 
Well, you know, the thing is, there's nothing new under the sun, I always believe. Yeah. And at the same time, mm. I think that there were certain things that I did that people saw as being weird. And because I had been used to it, because in, in when I lived in Nigeria, I was called, uh, you know, there's a word called bature, which means you're the white girl. And I was just looked at as the foreigner, as the white girl, you know. And, you know, being in, in the UK, yes, at uh, Plashid School, it was it was fine. I didn't, I, you know, I blended in quite easily. I was brown, like 98% of, you know, the other girls. But when I went to do my A-levels, which was at uh, Cooper's in Upminster, which was a, a fully white school with only a few people of color, that immediately changed again. And there I was trying to assimilate in some ways into something that wasn't an environment I was used to. So I have, I've had to do that. And part of it is to find that strength within yourselves, but also to know that that is a painful process and you can sit at home and cry about it. You, you know, you're, you're going to have those scenarios where your, your head is, is splitting and you're having severe anxiety about it because it, is, it isn't easy and it takes a long time to kind of, like the word you guys used earlier, normalizing, to normalize takes a long time and that can take a lot of steps that can be quite difficult as well. So I completely, completely resonate with that. And yes, it is an isolation process to get to that, to get any work done, to really, you know, focus on that work and get it done can be quite painful and you have to dig deep within yourselves. And sometimes you just have so much pain, you know, and you don't want to deal with that mm. pain. You don't want to deal with someone who's been mean, mean to you, but you have to be able to put it out into into the work you do, into into pop culture almost. And, you know, when you look at uh, Michaela Coel and her latest uh, show, I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, yeah. I May Destroy yeah. You. That's yes. So personal, yeah. isn't it? That's Excellent. right. Yeah. And even, even Bubblegum that she did prior to that, those yeah. are two shows that... Chewing she, Gum, wasn't it? Chewing Gum, sorry. I called it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, Chewing yeah, yeah. Gum. That's right. So chewing gum and I may, may destroy you have all come from a place of pain in many ways mm. that she has just, you know, she has she has been able to tap into that pain. And it must have been incredibly difficult. How do you showcase that part of your life and be so open about so it? So vulnerable, isn't it? I know that, yeah. that takes a special type of skill. And I think um, like in, in a way, as as consumers, we we win from like just having an amazing piece of work and art to kind of connect with. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I'll be able to tap in. No, to that, I mean I have kind of I have parts of myself that people want me to write about, but I haven't been able to get to that stage where I can really sit down and talk. Like I can give you the glossy overview, yeah. like I've done about my life, or I've told you why I don't sing anymore. But going into that nitty gritty is very difficult for me, and I've not been able to do it. And it does, like you said, it takes. It, you have to be in a special place in your life, and you you have to also have the ability to do that because most people, unfortunately, they go to their graves with their stories never being told. Oh, this this is it, Ashanti. Mm. I, that resonates so much. I had a conversation, funnily enough, this morning. I had a really hard morning, and my friend Roger. Um, who's a writer and an actor he, he rung me up it's serendipitous it really was and I told he said how are you I said I've had a shit day or morning and, and we were unpacking it and he was recently talking about an article that he just wrote um, about relationships and he said that he literally needed to revisit it's basically revisiting trauma in yeah. the present moment feeling it and then writing out those emotions which is an exhausting part of the artistic process but at the same time, on the other end, it's it's so rich and rewarding 
for the person who actually completes the project and also for us, like what Aaron said, as consumers. But I can understand why not wanting to open that Pandora's box in order to do that work um, oh, yes. is scary. I totally yeah. understand that, man. Extreme. I think as well, um, I, sometimes I feel like I've, I've worn my heart and my identity on my sleeve for pretty much yeah. the first decade of my career. And yeah. I think at the moment I'm experiencing um, the need to be a bit more reserved and protective because re like if, because actually not everyone is receiving me with the gentleness that I require. Yes. Um, and that's that's a part of it as well. And so I have I am being a bit more strategic with how much I want to show or how much I want to share with people, because, yes. you know, a lot of a lot of us, we're all guilty of this, I think. But sometimes we tend to use people's vulnerability against them. As yeah. Well. yeah and then doing this now in a public space is just has a different level of um impact and um yeah and so i'm again i relate when you say ashanti that you can give like you can be honest with it you can give the glossy like you know one liner yeah um but some things you know you're just not ready to talk about and also not yeah. everything is for everyone else right we're, we're in constant dialogue with ourselves and that is tough as it is i'm sitting in the room with my <laughs> yeah. nine other selves just being like guys <laughs> yeah. we need to regroup like yeah. what is going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> avengers then, regroup do you know what i'm saying like yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna ask everyone actually like do you feel that it's actually necessary to to always go to those most honest vulnerable places because so like say for example like the only time i've done it would probably be a little bit in that in the, the short film the internship i was gonna like, say that aaron i was yeah. gonna say you have to give yourself kudos for that because you really yeah. done it and you finished that project and it's in the world yeah thank you man but i think like maybe it's also down to like knowing because we all live such like i don't know like we we've the, the amount of shit that we've each kind of gone through and our journeys must be so kind of complex and nuanced. Like there's probably moments that you can pick and choose at the right time to kind of reveal or uh, to yeah. kind of put out. Right. So it's probably like not everything is necessary. Or do you feel each one of you feel like you wouldn't feel complete unless those most important stories are out? Like, how do you process that? All of you. Ashanti, do you want to? Yeah. Let me jump in with that. I personally think that, you have to be very ready to share it with the world because mm. the minute you put it out there in its entirety, you are being judged by the entire world. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> not, yeah. It's not just it's, uncles right. and aunties in Malaysia. Yeah. Or in, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that come from a place of experience, like obviously like interviewing and meeting so many, you know, accomplished kind of actors and musicians as well? Like, have you read that from an interviewer's perspective and, and seeing that across the years, like some sometimes it playing out in a good way yeah. and a bad way. In a bad way, absolutely. I have I have kind of tracked this, uh, let's say, over the last two decades. Yeah. And, you know, back in the day, people weren't so open. When you think about the creatives of, you know, mm. 
even someone let's take anaya rahman who has now won two oscars and two grammys and is has evolved as as an artist mm. from back in the day and he's known to the the, the world stage through slumdog millionaire and all of that yeah. he yeah. was very 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 reticent with interviews with talking to to revealing things about his life and it took him a long time to become somebody who was not just a musician but a personality and it's mm. about somebody said this to me uh, recently about how you know she, this is a girl who was looking for a look, she's looking for her her ideal match and she said a lot of people haven't developed their personalities and i didn't i never okay. thought of it like that but the truth is that it's you know she said most people are just they're very raw they haven't thought about what their personality is they they're just existing and they're not developing their personality and i thought about it about that and i thought it's true when we see these fully formed artists who are out there and when i interview them for example the ones who've never worked on developing their personality it's very very obvious from the start mm. that this is the first interview they're ever doing whereas yeah, somebody yeah, who's yeah. a seasoned interviewee take a priyanka chopra she has done this for so long i remember speaking to her in 2006 for asian woman magazine i had her on the cover i was working as like the senior features editor at the time and priyanka chopra in 2006 she was open she was candid she was articulate but now when i interviewed her only like 2 weeks ago and the priyanka chopra of today has <laughs> the point and the answers mm. at her fingertips and you know a, a completely different nuance to her from what she had back in 2006 and that's what those years of evolution do to a person and it is all about us and our personalities developing what has happened to us in those journeys but also it's about how we then choose to present ourselves and what we want to give out to the world and i personally am i'm not ready like people will ask me why don't you just share share your story on this instagram page and i'm like no I'm not ready to do <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My stories were more to me than that and there are That's layers so that powerful. you don't see or you don't know because on on social media all you see is the glossy side. I'm only giving you a very small edit of my life. Mm. That success iceberg that I'm sure you guys know very well. Right. <laughs> you know, under under the iceberg is all the heaviness and the difficulties and above it is that iceberg so that's the you know in in your your case especially with Ruben and Aaron who've been models you know you're that <laughs> you're that person right you're that perfect yeah. person everyone is seeing how good looking you are the beautiful girl oh, keep going Ashani keep going <laughs> keep, keep going man get this on record i'm editing this i'll keep playing it back <laughs> and the thing is what people then don't realize is what went on behind the scenes mm. how difficult was it to actually get that shot right. because as a model you're often looked at as a clothes horse but actually does <laughs> you know who's looking at the person behind the model and that's now i think that that's what's evolved a lot because back in the day with magazines you'd be reading them and you'd know nothing and Naomi Campbell yeah. was just a model now we yeah. know about her life she's telling us what she wants us to know about her life through her social media and this is the big thing that has changed is that now we're able to show sides of ourselves we want to show to the world and you know those who are very close to us will know gosh you know in in real life this person is 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 shambles she's struggling <laughs> yeah, anxious yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. you know and, yeah 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 you know this is the reality so for to answer your question i feel that that's that that is the reality of it that we as as human beings have to be really ready to share, share that story and once we want to lay those certain cards on the table that are really rooted in into the truth and of 
and the, those dark places that we've come from, that is the bravest move. And those that's the piece of art that gets the most accolades yeah. when you think yeah. about it. Because uh, Michaela Coel with I May Destroy You is her showing, the, you know, and she, and she turned down a deal with Netflix for it. Yeah. She wanted to do it on her own terms because it is her story and she wanted to own the right to tell it. Mm. And so she deserves art. that. Absolutely. That's, and, yeah, and I think I'm so proud money. of her for doing that, though. Yeah, that's that's the you know like especially nowadays where it's just and it's it's interesting you say that because like I'm at a stage now, Shanti, where I'm starting to kind of especially it, I think it was when that story broke where they were talking about um, the intellectual property and the ownership of the idea and stuff. Like as I yeah. kind of develop as a director, um, yeah. and I'm sure like I've been slowly speaking to about to Almas about it. Like you don't, no one sees those those things that are going in the background to so say if you've got like a Netflix deal, everyone's like, wow, that's successful. They've, they've, they've right. made it, but they, they may not have known the deal that you've struck and maybe you don't have ownership of the whole series and it could actually be worse than having, having it on a smaller network or, um, so yeah, totally. I'm kind of going through those things and asking myself those type of questions now, which I think is really important. Totally. Because the thing is what, 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 you know, when somebody is handing you over that million, you know, million pounds, the question is what part of your soul do you give? Yeah. <laughs> what have I sold potentially? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, over the years as well, um, Aaron and I, you're right, actually, we did speak about this and I stopped applying for funds or for film um, or entering competitions when I realized that if, you know, they might give me like a 3000 pounds. This is when I was, you know, 20, early 20s. I didn't know this, you know, Elmas. I didn't know you stopped. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, it, it was really hard. So I made my first film um, with the one with the um, One World Media Fund. And this was mm. when I went to uh, Bangalore to make a short film on the transgender community in in wow. in, in India. And um, after that, I was on this roll of like, right, I want to go for all the funds. Right. So like wherever it was, like the BFI mm. Guardian, like even, you know, whatever, whoever it was, I was like, let me just go go and do this. And mm. then I was like this was the time when Beyonce's um, I think it was lemonade came out right? and mm, 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 mm. some of the footage from that film um, was of New Orleans before the, the, was it a hurricane? I think that hit New Orleans um, in about, I think it would be 2013, 2014. And because New Orleans doesn't look the same, they use stock footage um, from a different film. Now, this film was made by a competition um, entry by a filmmaker who had entered um, their film into a Nokia competition for South by Southwest Film. Right. And yeah. when, when, you know, within that process, the dialogue that came out of it was actually the filmmaker had no say where their footage was being used. And then it was now in Beyonce's Lemonade. And... You know, there's two sides to the argument here, and on the on the legal side of it, you're saying, well, actually, you you know, you you signed away your rights you signed it to off. make, yeah. yeah, exactly, to your film, and that for me was a such a big like wake up call, um, and just more so to understand how put put a price on my stuff, right? And when I look at my portfolio now, it's I have worked with amazing people, but when it comes to my film, especially. Yeah. I'm quite protective of it. And a lot of that stuff is self-commissioned and still hasn't seen the light of day. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I'm still figuring out where and how 
I want to maneuver with it because not only is the are these my stories but if I've made a story or a documentary about someone else on a topic that's really close to them I want to be able to honor their identity and not sell that just because I want like a short check from you got a responsibility I guess when you enter into that yeah and hopefully we can change the game as artists right and like if, if enough of us are having these conversations with um, with commissioners, maybe somewhere along the line it will be not that they own everything, but you know maybe it's you can own own the rights for a couple of years and then it comes back to me. Or is there a percentage in per- perpetuity that you can have for yeah. you know for like, yeah. for for um, where it feels fairer? I do think it's a really important conversation, and yeah. especially when it's your story, mm-hmm. you you know no one can take that away from you, and you've got to make sure that you feel confident to do to keep that to yourself and um, learn that value, which is where it all begins, right? Totally. I I 100% agree with you. The the thing is, it depends on how you choose to make that first deal with somebody. So I I, I know that people like Beyonce have been very, very careful with owning or asking for a share in something saying, I will cut my price for doing this for you, as long as you give me a certain percentage of the profits. And that profit share is where you can get so much more of that money. And and it's deservedly Mm -hmm. so than what you're doing by by saying I'll take that million pounds and create something for you because that and but you own that product because then Mm. if you sell it on and I think it's about every artist being very savvy using the right kind of financial management because financial management is just not taught in schools it's just something (laughs) especially (laughs) around art yeah IP and intellectual property Yes. Yeah. And we are having these battles constantly with the NUJ, with Beck2, with Equity, you know, because constantly people are trying to take our IP away from us. And it is a battle because, you know, there's always that question. You OK, you have interviewed someone, is, but, it, you know, you know that you, you've had that contact with that person. But when do you have to share that contact with somebody else? It's something where you have to be very careful with because mm. anybody can destroy the relationship you've built in 20 years with somebody by you giving it to the wrong person when you think about it you know if you introduce somebody to somebody and it's that person then abuses that relationship in some way your you know your good relationship also can break down so we have to as as creatives not only with our content but with our contacts and with you know with our talent we have to constantly be aware of that and make sure that you know if if this person is helping me with my funding what are they getting out of it and are we making sure that we protect ourselves and i see that almas is already very on it with that which is a great thing yeah i mean i am but it's also i'm still at the beginning of a lot of the these conversations isn't it and so there are a lot of things at the moment where I'm like you know what I'm just gonna have to charge that to the game and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. have to give that away um yeah. and sometimes your idea is expendable as in somebody else yes. can come up with that idea it's not you know and I, and I said this before and I'll say it again that there is nothing new un- under the sun it's just a repackaging of what's already out there or that somebody's done somewhere along the way you know somebody might have written it in an Indian myth a thousand years ago somebody may have created that same you know the same phrase in a tune in in mm. an old Carnatic classical composition mm. you know 900 years ago but you know so we are reinventing that wheel in our own ways with our own creativity in what our dna has given us so what do we sh- and then all goes down to what do we share how do we sell it 
And when you're selling creativity, nobody has the answers, really. And it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's constant really knows what they're doing, do they? Yeah. So, Ashani, I kind of like you've been spitting so much knowledge here now. I've kind of wanted to add to this question and to say, like, what what were some of the the biggest learnings across, you know, your career in film and music and 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 broadcasting and stuff? Like, what were some of the things that the gems that really have stuck with you? Wow, um, the gems. Uh, Big question. (laughs) It is that that is quite a loaded question because. It's it's twenty years, you know, wow. of, and then this is twenty years of being focused into the media game. You know, prior to that, obviously, the build up was about learning the music and doing, you know, all of those things, performing on stage and and you know, comparing an Arangetram, which is like a a debut performance event. I've done all of those bits a long time ago, and then moving into it and being in media. The 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 biggest thing I would give as advice to people is that we. Research is key. And when you're going to somebody and approaching them, don't just send them, you know, a, a message that sounds uneducated. You need to have educated <laughs> yourself about that. But you yeah. probably hear yeah. this all yeah. the time. You yeah. get people approaching you, you know, with no, yeah. you know, they don't tell you who they are. They don't explain. <laughs> That's my <you> know, right. <laughs> Wait, right from the start. Say hello. Say That's hello first. Thing. Like, don't extract always, value from me. Yeah, like even on Instagram, I'm always like, hello, my <laughs> name is Almas. What's your name? Like, let's start there and then yeah. we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it just starts off, we should talk. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, it's not just about hello, because you need to say something to that, to that person. Because I um, my biggest peeve is when someone says hello and doesn't say anything else. Because... <laughs> There, it's oh. almost like I'm just waiting for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do now? On you, yes. yeah. How do you respond to a hello? Like on the street, if you're in person, I can understand that because you're saying hello to someone, they're, yeah. they're seeing you. But across the mile, somebody sitting in a city in India is messaging me with just the word hello. And I'm like, I don't know how to. So I often say, look, I don't know how to respond to you. you just know, you ignore know. it. For me, some, sometimes you know it depends on um, on on my mood. Let's just say that yeah, some people. So that's have heard, very true. <laughs> some people have 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 heard. It's emotion my, dependent, isn't it? It yeah. is. It is very because <laughs> sometimes you're sitting there and in the middle of something, and someone just random has just said hello, and you're like, "Look, I'm not here today. I'm not looking for a date. You know, this is not, <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> experience as a woman." on the internet you know there are people who who will just you know they just want your attention in that way and it just annoys me and for me the thing that i have learned is that the biggest talents the people who have you know won those awards and proven themselves they all come from a place where they have you know there has been a struggle there, ha- there is no such thing as an overnight success it just does not mm. exist for me i've seen this and i can tell you that you know in all these years all everybody who has done that been there done that bought the t-shirt you know has won the awards they have come from a humble place at some point they've been that child who has seen someone who looked like them on tv and said i want to do that for example or they've gone to a concert seen someone singing and said i want to do that and it's taken them a journey of practice of research of networking all of these things that people take for granted a lot of people take it for granted especially in this age where yes you can type someone's name find a contact and you can just dm them but when you do that when you do that direct message make make it worthwhile you're wasting your time and that other person's time otherwise 
you know, and, yeah, and the people I've met who are the biggest stars have all understood this in a big way. And also, they also make time to respond to people. This is the thing. I've seen the little young upstarts who just ignore messages, don't reply. Whereas I've seen the biggest talents making the time to, to always send, even if it's a brief message, if you mail them, they'll send them a reply. And this, these are all big, big things that people don't think about. But it's about being yeah. polite. You're online, you know, you're, you are yeah. sitting in your room, somebody is sitting across the miles in a different country. If you want to build a relationship with them, you need to say something of worth you know make it worthy of their time give them that respect because their time means everything and that's what the biggest talents i've 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 spoken to over time have understood and constantly are putting into play yeah that's so interesting because i think back back like early in one of the episodes we had niran um who was at instagram and he was just like, saying the power niran. the power of soft skills and like yes. how some people just overlook it you know like in terms of just and I think like what you said, it's it's those people that have been successful for so long. I think they understand that it's such a long process and they also probably mm -hmm. want to be doing what they want to do for a long time. So they know that, you know, if they damage a relationship now or the opposite, if they want to nurture something, they plant a seed early and make and understand that, you know, that that could come back to bite them if they do it in the wrong way. So it's it's just treating yes. people with respect. That's so important. But also, I just want to add to that to say that sometimes a bridge burnt is not a bad thing because, you know, we have how many billion okay. people in the world and we can't pander and cater to everybody. We just cannot. So we need to also be very discerning with that and say, okay, this person sounds like someone who's worthy of my time. So I will give them my time. And sometimes, you know, it's about picking your battles or it's about mm. making that time for the, for, for the right person and to try and, you know, to, to make that decision as to whether this person sounds like the right person. And that comes from that initial kind of pitch that, that the first impression that you can make in a room is harder to make online you can't see a smile right. you can't see yeah. the tone of the hello yeah. you can't feel the warmth right you're seeing yeah. just a few words and somebody's name so make it worthwhile when you do that because when you're putting those few words in that elevator pitch that you used to give in an actual elevator you have to do <laughs> in 200 words yeah. unless 200 not even 200 words uh, you know in a dm on twitter i don't want to see beams written i just want to see <laughs> line. hey this is yeah. what i do now. <laughs> go to this website that's all i want <laughs> yeah yeah ashanti i know i should have probably asked this right at the beginning i know we're like 50 like nearly an hour in but if someone was to ask you what do you do for a living <laughs> like how would you answer them because you're so multi-talented and you've spanned so many different like niche parts of the industry so i can't imagine what you'd say <laughs> well now i i think over the years i had a great difficulty putting it into words yeah. because it would be almost like a small essay but now <laughs> it's a lot easier for me I'll, I'll let me read you what i've put on my linkedin how long I've, did it take to come up with that like how long were you chipping away at that clarity <laughs> <laughs> it, it, well, that's what I'm saying. Two decades it's taken <laughs> yeah. you know, to get to that clarity. And still, I feel like there are more things I want to do with my life, right? Yeah, so yeah. this is just what I am right now. And as it stands, I'm a film critic. I'm a commentator. I'm a BBC broadcaster. 
I'm an RSA fellow. I am part of the film and music critic circle in the UK. I am a festival and hybrid online streaming strategist. I'm wow. a Zoom Q&A host. I am a freelance interview and features writer. So these are all the things that I've been able to kind of encapsulate. And this is a good question, actually, that you've asked, because mm. I've had to think about how to put this correctly onto all my profiles and mm. you know twitter gives you so few words instagram gives you so few you know you can put a few hashtags here and there on on um, facebook for example it only gives you five lines and of those five five lines it's <laughs> yeah. rsa fellow bbc sounds film critic uh, member of the film and um, music critic circle influencer and what i do is i use the emoji also that's appropriate yeah. to, to fit that but it is very difficult to to hone in because my the majority of my work is in broadcast I do writing here and there I, I'm trying to pick up more on the writing side of things so it is evolving at any point somebody might invite me to being a part of something that then will be worthy of going up there it is evolving it's weird because it's so like I only added podcast host like this last month and wow. even that even that that just felt so like i don't know why but there was such a resistance from me and i don't know if it's just like i like to keep things simple so i i, I tend to just write like filmmaker yes um even though i kind of do loads of things and yeah i don't like that's just a personal thing with me as well it's like it's a really good question ruben because i think so many people and across not even just in the creative industries as well right it's just like how do you refine is it worth yeah. refining like there's some people need like a deeper um kind of yes. explanation like yeah it's it's <laughs> not an easy one man <clears throat> totally. I mean, see, for me, I would see you as a filmmaker, but I also know that you've been a model. I, I know you've, you know, I, but I've known that journey. And I feel mm. like, you know, what is the, the highest thing that you can put there that you want people to see you as? Because that's what you're aspiring to do for the rest yes. of your life. That is a good way to distill it down. Yeah, but, is, you know, when you, when you wear many hats, it's very difficult to do that. And that's where, for me, it's like, do I just say I'm a broadcaster because I... I, I do so much more than that. So yeah. it, it's, it's, it is a tough question, isn't it? For, for creatives, especially, yeah. because you can just put yourself down as an artist. All of us, all four of us here can just mm. say we're an artist. That's yeah. what I picked on my yeah. Instagram bio is an artist. That's what I always come back to because I think I yeah. change my bio like every week, honestly. I'm how oh, I feel like this today or maybe this is the project that's coming out. It's just, and then, yeah, the emojis as well, they help. But like, <laughs> You know, at this point, I'm just like, I'm a human, guys. I'm breathing and I'm creating. And that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Anything yeah. I can get my hands on, you know? An, art, an artist yeah. and creative it is so true. I mean, I've had this conversation with Almas many times, you know. And yeah. I think it's it's really a conversation about, for, for me anyway, it's about multi-potentialism, like just being a polymath, right? It's, yeah. it's also a conversation about fluidity, it's, yeah. it's also a conversation about how society or how we've been socialized into being boxed, especially yeah. when it comes mm. to like careers, you know. And then, and then yeah. it's also a wider conversation about how the education system yeah. has focused or the, or the capitalistic system has focused on what are still operating within the industrial revolution model, which is you go yeah. through the career, this, this whole career kind of like process and you come out at the end 
as a specialist at doing one thing. But the world has changed so much now that you can't just mm. do that or it's a little bit more challenging if you were to take that route. Yes. Um, and so what I'm, I mean, what I've got on my LinkedIn at the moment is edutainer at Dream Rehab, online facilitator, speaker, presenter, comedian, well-being educator, creativity coach and artist. Wow. Um, and I, yeah, and I, I think that encompasses the majority of stuff. But now I'm veering into music and, and writing. So I think it, you're right. I agree with you both. It's like creative artist is the main you, thing. But the world needs to understand, I think, yeah. especially to get jobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? If someone's mm. looking for a host and they go, I, oh, Ruben, the artist. Yeah, I need a host. No, but I am. I'm, I'm going to play devil's yeah. advocate here, Ruben. Yeah, because like, do you feel as we move as a society, as we're moving kind of forward and you have like younger creatives that are exploring and experimenting and having you know really pursuing multiple kind of creative talents do you feel that that's going to be a tougher like those people looking to hire are going to value the wide variety of skills or like the specialized skills because say for example sometimes i've got that i've got the hat as a producer so if i need someone that i've like I usually have like a, a black book of contacts that I work with loads of different people, but sometimes there may be occasion where I'm like, shit, I, you know, my main people are, are busy. I need like, say for example, um, a colorist, like a, mm. a you know, a, a color grader. I will probably pick someone that just says like specialized colorist rather than yeah. colorist, editor, videographer, da, 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 da. like, and yeah. maybe that's just down to me. I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing, but it's, I guess it's an interesting thing to speak about and, and to try to unpack or figure out. I mean, I've, Aaron, I think it's a great question. I, I, I mm. think what, what, I, what I feel we're moving towards is that mentality in regard to in recruiters and employers yeah. will sooner or later mm. have no option but to phase out as, as, um, okay. as all Specific the industries roles. get so much more connected, right? Mm. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, while yeah, we're yeah. currently in that transition, which I think we are, yeah. I, I think it probably might be wise to lead with something key so that yeah. the, the people that think that way can still latch on to what it is you mainly offer. Mm. But then the other people that are adopting all these other kind of ways of being can say, OK, you can also do that. I'm going to bring you on for that. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe it, it's playing, playing it both while we transition yeah. Through. I think what I've been grateful for is for people to include me even when they don't know why they're including me so <laughs> what I mean by that is, so like you know I felt the struggle because I know what, you just turn up have... on a film set Elvis on, like, no honestly like, like, I've gone to sets yeah I've been on sets and I've been invited to come on sets because people have just been like no, we just need you there. And I'm like, okay, fine. I get it. Like, I get why I'm there because I know that across the board, I'll be offering support okay. or vision or, you know, development, yeah, wherever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But other people on set are like, so Almas, what are you doing here? And then I've, <laughs> I've had people come in in that conversation and be like, no, 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 just don't worry. Like, you just know that Almas needs to be here. Now, that's the fun side of it, right? Because I'm like, yes, like someone gets it. But my LinkedIn is a shambles. And <laughs> like, and my website at the moment, like it's at an okay space because what I'm starting to do first is just archive the projects that I'm working on. But when it gets to a point of that packaging bit, like I need, what I'm mm. working on actively at the moment is finding out what that added value actually is because it's not language specific. in it. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 you know, English is always, we're always trying to articulate what we already know, right? And language catches up with that. But 
when um for me like the medium isn't important and that I go back to the artist word because uh, or descriptor because it's more about the vision for me and the development and the voice and you know as I'm sort of chipping away at it a little bit more Ashanti you said that it took you two decades right so I'm one decade in well let's check in in 10 years time yeah. see how I'm doing yeah. I might be close you know but I you hate, know what it may be um, it, it may just on. be just your name <laughs> yeah almost but that is the genre yeah <laughs> it's the genre. Let's yeah i feel like around. with ashanti yeah, yeah like yeah. you just have to just say her name and there. people that know that witness the journey will just understand You'll get and it. everyone that knows you know what i mean like would lean on her for certain things would reach out yeah. would reach out that way it's yeah. it's so true because I, I think that also we should just uh, like unlike back in the day when we were boxed in into those careers and into what we were supposed to be. It's like your dad is a shoemaker, therefore you yeah. should become a shoemaker. Mm, right. Dad is a professor, therefore you should go into ac academia. The thing is, these days we can be anything. I mean, little kids are already making money. Well, just by being yeah. born, parents who are putting them on Instagram. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, I didn't even think of that. Has changed. Because wow. they're also creative, aren't they? I mean, how how creative is is this person who's able to make money out of their child who has no say in except to just kind of gurgle and look cute in a video? So <laughs> <laughs> much money. Things yeah. have changed so much, and I think we as 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 humans need to be ready to evolve and say, well, mm. you know, I might have studied computer science, but I am more than that, and I can build on that. And I choose to build on that because people will laugh at us. They will throw stones at us for doing it because they don't understand it. But when you reach a certain level of success, they'll be like, wow, why didn't we think of that? You know, and I've had people come to me and then say, well, we never saw that vision that you were fighting for. We just saw your, you know, at that time you were struggling and we just thought that you were stupid to quit your corporate world with yeah. You know, with with this nice, nice payment that you had and, you know, selling your, your house and your car and downsizing your life. But now we realize that it was for something that you you could see that we couldn't see. And mm. I think we as as creatives 10 years down the line, Elmas could be just Elmas. Everybody will know her as, as <laughs> the mononym, you know, yeah, Beyonce. Yeah. You, you, you just don't know. Beyonce as a four year old worked really damn hard even at that age putting mm. in hours and hours of practice in yeah. order to be what she is. When when she made uh, Lemonade, I believe she spent nearly two years rehearsing that in order to, to, to put that together. Beyonce as an artist is just on a next level, like the attention to details <laughs> you're saying is crazy. It's such crazy. an inspiration. Absolutely. Yeah. Because when, when it was, for, sorry, it was for the Coachella performance. I believe she had worked on it with the team for two years in yes. order to, to be yes. able to put that up there. And that's it for a two hour performance. They spent two years to oh make it God. that good. And that's, that's the reality crazy. that I feel like I'm, I'm a work in progress every day. I'm trying to yeah. better myself with this and that to make sure that, you know, the end result will be something something special at at some point. But to also just always celebrate the smaller mind, milestones that will hopefully take you to that end result, you know? Yeah. You know what? I, I, I landed on quite a bittersweet truth not too long ago when I was reading the School of Life book on finding a job to love. It's entitled A Job to Love, right, by the School right. of Life. I read it maybe maybe about two years ago now. And it was this bittersweet truth saying that no matter how much we try, some of our capacities are going to go to the grave with us. 
Like no matter how much you can explore as a creative person especially, there's gonna be some capacities that you just really don't have the time or energy to focus on. Yeah. And so if that's the case, because we have limited time on earth, like what are those capacities that mm. bring us bring us to life the most, that really mm. make us feel alive, you know? And trying to hone in on them takes time anyway, but when mm. we find out, it probably makes sense to just give them the time that they need to develop and mature mm. and just sadly make peace with the idea that we won't maybe be able to explore everything. everything. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It's, it's um, the one very famous person said that, look, make a list of 25 things that you're inspired by and that you want to do, and then take only three of them. And yeah. because if you try and spread yourself thin over those 25 things and, you know, and of course for a lot of us, that journey is, trying you know we are doing those 25 things until we find those three things but we whittle it down don't we you have to whittle it down and yeah, you know somebody and I, <laughs> an american friend of mine he uh american asian friend of mine he he told me this that he was his focus was going to be just on music and film and he said i will do everything around those two things and that is what i'm going to spend the rest of my life doing and that really woke me up because yeah. prior to that i was doing everything lifestyle journalism mm. and this and that until i thought well this is such a good point what are the two or three things that i really want to do with myself and then all the other things you know and and the reality is that you know if you want to be you know a filmmaker you have to also have a passion for i don't know the the, the food side of things the story side mm. of things the book side of things the writing side. so all of that will fall into place but your main vision is i'm going to be a filmmaker this is what i want to create and i want to create the best film i can possibly create and that's how 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 art works in that sense and uh, i think the more we realize that and more the more we realize that the the world is our oyster like when people would say that to you as a child you never understood it because you were you were too young to understand it but it can be your oyster if you if you make it and that's what we have to keep pursuing as humans it's a human condition is for us to find you know to use those gifts that we've been given and make the world a better place in some way hopefully free chance <laughs> that's like the perfect oh. sentence to end on <laughs> like, yeah just that was i mean Ashanti, thank you so much for yeah, just giving up your time because as we know, you are ridiculously busy doing loads of amazing things. So we really appreciate you taking the time to also just, yeah, just honestly share some of your story because I think for us three, um, mm. I can imagine Aaron and I must agree and also for our listeners, I think just being able to tap into your lived experience and your wisdom over those 20 years is, <laughs> yeah, it's a gift, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really, I'm really happy to have chatted with you and to to been on this because I really, the minute I heard the first first podcast, I was like, this is really interesting. This is the sort of thing I would love to be a part of. So I thought, oh, let wow. me out and say, I'm, I love what you're doing, and uh, I love the fact that you had me on as a guest as well. Uh, yeah, we have to bring on the been, original pioneers, you know. <laughs> you have you, to. You know what? I th like, I think again, we always speak about different drivers about why we do this, and and for me, it was like 
having a non-creepy way of just reaching out to people that I genuinely <laughs> wanted to connect and, and, and find out a little bit more. And that's exactly like what this podcast has done. And, and, and even more actually, because it's kind of built, and I don't know if it's the same for Ruben and Almas, but it felt like everyone that we've had on now is not just a guest. It's not like just, you know, a, a show where they, people come and go. Like I genuinely feel we've made a friendship connection and that's something that's, yeah in in this kind of weird uh, lockdown period is amazing it's yeah, a creative yeah exactly more creative exactly exactly you know and, and and i love that i love that you can support uh in fact i'm i probably will will come to you if i have some interesting potential guests you know because i just 100 a good Send them place away. to be able to discuss you know, especially people who are fellow filmmakers or people from that field who mm. just need to be able to vent and talk about different <laughs> aspects. And you guys, because you have lived that experience and you've you've done that in so many different forms, I think you can you can tap into that in such a great way. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. And, and before you go, just a curious question for me because I I'm always. Like you, because you do so many things, like myself, right? You you do the broadcasting and 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 the critic based work and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, at the core, yeah. you're also an artist in your own right and a performer. So I know I know you said um, you might visit some of some of your story later on. But in terms of other artistic capacities, whether mm -hmm. it's song or poetry, um, are you curious to lean back into that stuff in the future, or do you think that? that part of your life has been explored already? Oh, no, I, I personally think that I will always lead back into it. I, I think that um, though I'm not sitting and writing a poem daily or putting out a, any poetry or any writing, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's something I'll be dipping into again and again. And, you know, sometimes there might be something that's a, a burning topic that's in my mind and be sitting in a, in a notepad as an idea that mm. then can, can, it might be developed, it might not be, but it'll, it'll be there. And mm. in terms of the singing, I mean, I have to say that because I, I'd gone through a traumatic experience and I'm still being kind of treated for it and I don't want to go into the details, but mm. uh, let's just say that it is something I would love to get back into in some way, mm. even if it's just for myself, because I yeah. remember talking to uh, Sushila Raman, who is a Mercury nomin Prize nominee, and I remember Sushila saying to me, but you've learned all this for so many years, why haven't you carried on with it? And I said that, look, I've struggled, My, you know, I, I have issues with with the actual, you know, the, the physicality of singing and breathing. And mm. she, she kind of said to me, look, at, just do it for yourself. Yes, rest it or follow doctor's orders, but do it yeah. for yourself. And yeah, at some 100%. point, you want to share it with the world. So maybe I will, you know, maybe I will do it for myself. I've never closed. Like for me, I feel like I, I never want to close any of those boxes that, that I come from. I yeah. want to keep them open. And if I ever need to dip back into them, I will. I will do it and I, 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 you know, I'd love to do it. And you just never know when, when that, when that box is, is going to be the thing that saves you on a bad day, yeah. I think, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. how music can do that for you as well. Music can just save you on that bad day. That one song, that one lyric, you might be having it and it's it might make you well. cry. You might be really stressed to cry. It might make you cry because you've visited a dark place in yourself, but that is a catharsis in itself also. And 100%. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly believe. Yeah, I mean, that's just ins inspired me to get back to 
some of the art Get on work it, that I was doing. Yeah, 100%. That's why I yeah. asked, really. It's really what I needed mm. to hear, to be honest. So, And you. also, like what Alma said, you know, I, I have a canvas sitting because I dabble once in a while. I mean, I'm no painter, but I dabble in these little paintings sometimes. And I remember I was going to go into a big surgery. And in the lead up to that, painting was something I thought, okay, something I did at secondary school. My teacher wanted me to do it for A-levels, which I never did because it was never, you know, nobody... It, no, nobody in the Tamil society will say, oh, you should do art for your A-levels or English or, yeah. you know, it's always like, oh, you do it for GCSEs at best. But, you know, after that, you just, you, you only do, it's your side project. But I had, I had bought these canvases and some paints and stuff. And I started making these, these little paintings just to take my mind off this big surgery I was going to have. And it's something that I still keep it there. And once in a while, when I feel like it, I might go and start doing something with that canvas because you just never know what, what it'll turn into. But yeah. sometimes it's just so that you, you know, like, like what Alma said, it's so true. It's just to take your mind out of that space and into a different space for a little while before the craziness of life comes back to you. Mm. Yeah, that's the best, um, the, the biggest gems always come for me when I'm doing something that's creative without the pressure or needing for there to be a particular result. Yeah. Um, I bought Ruben a clay kit for his birthday and I'm looking forward to uh, getting stuck into that. Literally. Into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ashanti, thank you so much for joining us. This, this conversation has been such a pleasure. Honestly, I've like yeah, we've been dropping keys and it's been a real conversation which is what I'm so I'm feeling like lifted up right now because I feel like I've been engaged and you know you everything that everyone has said here has also been engaging me and it's yeah it's amazing thank mm. you likewise thank you so thank much you. I'm, I'm I'm really honored that you've had me on the podcast and I can't wait for the world to listen to it yeah we we'll put it out soon thank you. definitely well listen Ashanti have a great day and thank Thanks. you very much again for coming on Thanks so much, guys. And, you. you know, I, Ruben and Erin, just on a personal note, I've always wanted to meet you and we still haven't met. Yeah, I know crazy, the irony of doing the show, right? we haven't met. We've been in touch since 2009, if I'm <sighs> sure. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a long There's time. There's a guy now. from SOAS who had introduced us over, you know, over Facebook and we still haven't met. So I hope that when the pandemic is over and we can all meet the, the four oh. of us, Listen, we've <laughs> definitely, definitely, I mean, the four of us, but then we've also got plans for socials when things are a lot safer with, okay. with guests and, you know what I mean, audience members, okay. so it's Perfect. all happening. Let's let's definitely do it. I will be staying in touch. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. What is this behaviour? Listening back, I feel like I've learned so much. We recorded this episode a while ago and I remember coming away from this chat feeling so, so full and inspired to learn more about Ashanti and about Indian heritage and culture as well. I also learned that in the time and space we were recording, I was feeling so vocal and expressive. Listening back to myself regularly really is an enlightening experience, I'll tell you that for free. I particularly love Ashanti describing her journey of Indian heritage as a cultural awakening and making the parallels between South Asian and African cultures was so interesting too. I found affirmation when Ashanti mentioned the importance of owning your own story and how brilliantly Michaela Cole has done this and learned that Reuben and Aaron and their sister Shanti had some creative freedoms because they were parented away from their wider family back in Malaysia. 
If you're interested in finding more about Ashanti Omkar, you can listen to her by heading to the BBC Asian Network website or live every Sunday on the network at 7pm British summertime. You can also find her work at ashantiomkar.com. To keep up to date with us, head to the whatisthisbehaviour.com website and use that as the jump off point to all our socials, projects, episodes and all of that jazz from there. Feel free to reach out and give us some feedback on the Apple Podcasts app as well. And until next week, stay healthy, eat well and be inspired. I'm Al Masvidat and being with you this episode has been an absolute pleasure. Take care. What is this behaviour? Do you want it? You're dying for it! <laughs>